Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of James. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. Here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible Class. We're continuing our study in the General Epistle of James, and we're in chapter 3. In a moment, we'll begin with verse 13. I want to take you back to the verses 11 and 12 in preparation for today's study. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. James, in writing these verses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is teaching us that if we are cursing our neighbor, if we're cursing those who are human and made after the likeness of God Almighty, then we have no right to bless God because he will not receive our blessing of him, our praise of him, because it won't work. Our heart is at enmity with God, is what James is teaching us. And so we must be very careful that, as in verse 9, we don't try to bless God while we curse our neighbor. We cannot do that. We can't bless and curse and have the blessing be effective. Some folks like to pretend that they can live in the world and live as part of the world and pretend to be part of the world. Maybe they can hide that from others that they don't want to know about it, but they're there living in sin. And then they want to pretend and to portray themselves as something they are not. You might get by with that with us. I'm easily fooled. And probably you are too, because we like to think the best of our fellow man. We're following Jesus Christ, and we're doing our best to present Christ to others. And so we take people at face value oftentimes. And so maybe we can be fooled by those that would want to live in the world but pretend to be Christian. But God is not fooled by them. You can't fool God. Be sure your sins will find you out. You can't live like the devil and proclaim that you're godly. A story is told by Harold Wilmington about an Egyptian king. The king was named Amasis. And he sent a sacrifice to his god and requested the priest to send back the best and the worst part of the animal. The priest sent back the tongue That organ, he said, represented both the worst and the best. It represented both demands that the king had made. It's been said that the Christian should so live that he would not hesitate to sell his talking parrot to the town gossip. 
Think about that. Harold Wilmington always had a way in letting you know the truth. On to verse 13 of James chapter 3. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. Starting here at verse 13, we see James teaching that godly wisdom is necessary for a teacher to be a true teacher of truth. And so for you to be a teacher, you must have wisdom, and it must be godly wisdom. It must be from God himself. The teacher has got to exhibit that meekness, that strength under control, and practical applications of the truth. In other words, the teacher must live the truth to be able to teach the truth. If you want to be a teacher, if you want to be used of God in that aspect of teaching the truth to others, then you have to live the truth in your own life. You won't be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You need to be Christ-like, and as much as lieth within you, be at peace with all men. So a wise man is a godly man, and the wisdom is godly wisdom. If a wise man is endued with knowledge then you must live it. This is where the word conversation comes in again. This is that good conversation, that good lifestyle, and your works will show your control, your temperament being under control, will show your wisdom in daily life so that you know how to live your life. You'll be submitted to Almighty God, and you'll be showing the truth of Christ in your everyday life. I'm reflecting upon someone, and I won't mention the name, someone that I've known for years and years, who was a teacher of the Word of God. Oh, not famous, not at all famous. Had a small class, in fact but taught faithfully in that Sunday school for 50 years plus, and studied and studied and taught, and people were blessed by the teaching, and they learned much. But for years and years and years, decades in fact, I observed this teacher's life. And I can tell you, I was more impressed with his life, perhaps, than I was with his teaching. In fact, I, I must say I was more impressed with his life because he lived for Christ. And his teaching was an outgrowth of his way of life, his living for Christ. His teaching was part of that skill for living that God gave him. 
And as we've mentioned before several times in this study, the book of James is like the Old Testament wisdom literature, and it's been referred to as the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs in the New Testament, because of its practicality, because of its its effort to cause you to understand the wisdom that is from above. And here we see that in this portion of Scripture in particular. We see that the teacher must be living the life before he can teach the word. That's what's important, living the life. Verse 14, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom, wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now, in this portion of Scripture, we have the first of two wisdoms that are being presented and being characterized here. Number one the bitter envying and strife of humankind. This fire of the tongue set on fire in hell. This strife that's in your hearts. Do not glory against God with your own teaching. Do not glory against others with your teaching because you're envying and you have strife and you have vain glory, not true glory. Don't lie against the truth. This is devilish. This is evil. This is wrong. This is confusion. And we know that God is not the author of confusion. Not in any aspect is God the author of confusion. When you lack wisdom, you're to ask of God. We've already learned that here in the book of James. We know that God gives it to us without giving us any kind of hesitation. And he does that because he wants us to follow him and follow him completely. He wants us to know how to live our lives properly for him. Jesus Christ came to give us the abundant life. He said that he, he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And you can't have an abundant life when there's envying and there's strife and there's bitterness and there's vainglory and there's lying. You can't do that. Now, I've, I've got to interject here, and I'll, I'll try to do it ever so kindly. But sometimes I think when we're starting out, when we're first teachers, when we're immature yet, and I'm not suggesting I'm mature at this point, but far more immature in the past than I am now, but I'm still on the road. But you've got to really watch it because what is likely to happen if Satan gets a foothold in any fashion in your life, you will become envious of others who are teaching the truth. Oh, my friend, never allow that to happen. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in the pew and not teaching. It doesn't matter if you're just listening to the radio or watching teaching uh, on a video. And you're not out there teaching anybody, but you're thinking to yourself, I could do better than that. 
I know more than that. I'm wiser than that. That's incorrect because I think differently. If it's the word being taught by someone who is in Christ, teaching from a life that is full of that controlled, meek spirit, then you better be careful how you respond to the teaching. I have learned over the years, again I say I'm still on the trail and I haven't learned everything yet, but I have learned a little bit, and one thing that I've learned is, oftentimes we judge another man's servant, and we do so in a very quick and harsh fashion, but we better be careful. We're told that we're not to judge another man's servant, and no one is serving me, but we're all serving Christ. And if we're serving Christ, if we're serving Almighty God, and we're teaching the truth of God's Word, we're serving Him, and so we answer to Him. I don't answer to other people. I answer to God Almighty. Oh, yes, I have other people that I think highly of, and I listen to what they tell me, but it's God himself that I must finally, in the final analysis, be serving. That's true of your pastor. Your pastor serves the congregation, the flock. But primarily and ultimately, he serves Almighty God through Jesus Christ the Son. And if he doesn't serve the shepherd of the sheep as the under-shepherd, then he's not doing his job. If he serves the denomination, if he serves the association of churches, if he serves the ministerial association, if he serves the people in the congregation, and does not serve the shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ himself, the great shepherd, then he is not doing his job, and he is unworthy of the title of pastor. If I teach for any other purpose than to please Almighty God through Jesus Christ his Son. I am not worthy to teach. It doesn't matter what my venue is. It doesn't matter if I'm writing a book, if I'm making a tape, a, a CD, a DVD, or if I'm on the radio or whatever. It doesn't matter. Or in the pulpit. It doesn't matter. I am, and anyone is, unworthy to teach the Word of God and the truth of God unless we are serving God himself in the ultimate, not serving anybody else, but serving Almighty God through Jesus Christ, his Son. And that's what James is getting ready to tell us here. He says this wisdom of this envying and strife is not from above. It's not from God. This is earthly, sensual, meaning of the earth, of the dirt, if you will. It's earthly and earthy, and it's devilish. It's from Satan himself. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Oh, how we need to understand this portion of God's word. There is so much strife in the body of Christ. And James here, the first 
epistle general written in the New Testament. Here he is writing to the to the Jewish Christians that are scattered abroad, and he says, you need to understand envying and strife brings confusion and it's evil. It's not from God. So if you're having envying and strife, confusion in your congregation, in your Bible study, in your work for Christ, you better stop and take notice and see what is wrong. See where the devil is working and get rid of him. Get rid of the devil. Put him outside the church. You know, Jude spoke about those who've crept in unawares, the creeps that have come into the church. You need to get rid of the creeps. They don't need to be in the church. Church discipline must be exacted upon those that are the creeps. And if it's not, then the church will be destroyed from within. Now, let's get to the good part. Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above, as contrasted to the wisdom that is from the earth, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Oh, I know. Sometimes you don't want peace. Sometimes you want war. But truthfully, in the body of Christ, we're to seek peace. Sometimes that means we have to excise the devil. We have to make sure that the devil and his minions are not in the congregation. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Purity is the number one component of the wisdom that God gives you. We don't have wisdom to have evil thoughts or evil deeds. We have wisdom to have pure thoughts and pure deeds. We have wisdom from God to better equip us to do the work for and of Jesus Christ and God Almighty, that the Holy Spirit is working through us, guiding us, comforting us, encouraging us that we might do God's work. This is pure. This is not something we're dreaming up that might give us some advantage somewhere, that we might personally obtain something. No, this is not for personal gain. This is purity. It is pure in its motivation. There's no motive for personal uh, and, uh, self-aggrandizement or uh, personal income or wealth or anything. This is a pure motive. The motive's not for self. The motive is for Savior. It's for Jesus Christ himself. So we've got a pure motive. We've got a pure effort. The effort that we do is pure as well. We don't try to usurp someone's authority, nor do we try to force people to follow us and to do what we want them to do. 
That's not how you make it happen. You lead by example, certainly. And you pray that the Lord will send those to follow and to do the work that needs to be done. A real congregation of Christians will do that. A real congregation of Christians, a real assembly of believers, will follow the leadership of the pastor, the elders, in that congregation. It will happen because, first of all, the wisdom that is from above is pure. And the wisdom that you have, my friend, this is the beginning of it. The purity that comes from God himself. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the postal service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bumble, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.